family, and welcome to the Explore the Extraordinary podcast. My name is Betty Guadagno, and today I'm joined by Vinny. Vinny is a near-death experiencer. He is a healer, a coach, a light worker, and today we're going to talk about all things spiritual. Vinny's going to give us a brief description of his near-death experience, and then we're going to talk about some of the integration tools and what he's got going on in his life now. So thank you so much for your willingness to serve our community, Vinny. Oh, also, Vinny's going to be at our 2023 IONS in-person conference in Washington, D.C., so that's going to be really exciting as well. I'm going to toss it over to you to share a little bit of your experience, and then we'll get into a conversation. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Betty. I, I really appreciate uh, this this work, this venue. Um, I am so grateful, number one, for IONS. Um, I've never in my life uh, had this this feeling of family like I, I did the first time I went to conference. Um, I just felt like I was so included, so embraced, and, and whereas so many other places in my life or so many other aspects of my life, I felt the opposite. I felt excluded. I felt ostracized but man in ions i really um, am grateful for ions so thank you thank you ions thank you betty for for having this as an opportunity to speak and and share the things that that i learned from my death so to give you a quick synopsis of me back in 2003 i was found dead in a public bathroom i had aspirated i had gotten a poisonous supplement and i had vomited and and breathed in that vomit so i had aspirated they found me and pronounced me dead they put me in a body bag they took me to a on their way to a medical examiner so they could turn in the body uh, for an autopsy most likely and on their way there a medic a brand new medic a rookie medic he felt uh, he felt what he termed as intuition or god tell him that i wasn't dead and I, I was watching and perceiving this whole thing as uh, he received this witness, as he received this message. And he followed that prompting. He followed that intuition. And he was able to resuscitate the body. Now, out of a body bag, he was able to resuscitate the body. I still wasn't back, though. I was uh, still brain dead for three days. And while I was brain dead and in a, in a coma, essentially, um, I was often in what I call our real existence, not this existence, because this existence is not our real existence. But I was off in our real existence where we we all existed before here, and we will exist eternally after here. Uh, but here was just the pit stop, and I was able to learn quite a bit. So I, in my journey of going there, going to this, you know, if we want to call it heaven, we can call it heaven. On my journey there, I was taught some some major principles for myself, and uh, and yeah, I can go over those today with you. I really uh, am different now because of those ten principles. They completely changed how I believe this world is, and they completely changed my relationship with God and religion in a positive way. And um, yeah, they they have a kind of a profound effect on people when I share them. So uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd love to share that today. 
Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. Thank you for that. I know that your story has been uh, like publicized so much on YouTube. I've seen your video over and over and over again. And I watch it each time just like hoping for, you know, a little gem of something different. It's so challenging when we share our experiences because like this story comes through, you know, like it's this infinite experience, but somehow we try to structure a story around it so that it's like digestible for other people. But there's so much that comes with the experience, you know, like, so you're talking about how your relationship with spirituality changed. And what was your relationship like before your experience with spirituality? Or did you believe in God? What was your life like? I did. I was raised in a, a, a fairly strict Christian household. And uh, almost an evangelical style um, Christian upbringing, and uh, but very strict, very strict. And as I got into my uh, adulthood, I strayed away from that. I still, you know, felt my heart was still Christian. I was going to church here and there, uh, but not like I regularly did as a kid. And uh, as some, as some in the church would call me inactive or or an inactive Christian. That's how I was. I was an inactive Christian. Um, and coming back to activity, actually, because I had started coming back to church uh, right before I, I had my experience. But yeah, raised Christian. Uh, but I did study Buddhism for two years in, in Southeast Asia. Um, I lived in Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia. And, uh, and I studied quite a bit of theology, religious theology, and uh, a bunch of the different uh, aspects of religion for all of us. Yeah. Did any of the things that you studied prepare you for what it was like in real reality, like at home? No, okay. not at all. I thought for sure. And and it's kind of funny. I met this gentleman when I, right when I crossed, right as soon as I crossed, there was this gentleman there to greet me. And and he was he he turned himself as my guide to to help me cross over. And I I had almost this kind of ego of, well, I'm Christian, so I can just get in. Just show me where the Christian door is. I'll just go into heaven, you know? And he laughed at that. He he thought that was really funny in a loving way, not a r ridiculing way, but in a loving way. He he laughed and was like, I, I love that you think that, but there's a few more things we have to help you understand before you can get in. And that was pretty cool. That is so cool. I love that. And you know what? I love that even though you had that thought, it didn't matter. You were still going to find your way there. You know, like there mm -hmm. was no condemnation around it. I really love that. Um, yeah. So, well, tell us like, yeah, you're talking about some of these spiritual principles that you use in your life today that really help you. Um, I'm, I'm curious, maybe if you want to share a little bit about who was the first person that you told about your experience after you came back? Like, were you able to talk about it? So my sister, my older sister, she's adopted and, and um, she was the first one that I told about it. And it, it's funny, she was the one who, who kind of brought it out of me. I didn't remember my experience for the first day. So I came back for a full 24-hour period without remembering the experience. And she cornered me that very next night and said, hey, you know, you were dead. Did you see anything? And my brain went to say no. And as it went to say no, I just started to bawl and to cry. And this experience came out of me. And it was weird. It was. It felt like someone else was talking or sharing the experience. But yet I was remembering it at the same time. And I, I just sat there for like 20, 30 minutes weeping. Like, 
And that's not me. That's not something that I would ever do. I would, at the time I was like a bodybuilder and, and, and that's not something that you, you know, outside of New York city, you don't run into people just openly weeping. <laughs> and, and I just, uh, I, I didn't, I couldn't express it for, for a few weeks. And, um, shortly after coming back, I met my now, my now wife. And she was the first one I really shared the full experience to. She was the first one to get the full experience. And over the, the, the culminating years, she's, she's gotten more and more of the experience. The hard part is, here's the hard part. There's no way to use our English language and actually express that experience. There's not. Because our language is such a low form of communication versus what I experienced there. What I experienced there is bigger than our language. Our, our literally language can't express it. And so over the years, I've tried to express it as, as well as possible. And I struggled with that when, you know, writing my book. Um, and in fact, I had to work with a really good writer so that we could get this out, get the experience communicated where we honored the experience. Because I felt for years as I was trying to write this story down, um, I felt that I was doing a, a disservice or an injustice. I felt like I wasn't doing it the honor that it deserved. And uh, yeah, and in fact, I didn't even know that I had 10 principles in my in my experience until we turned it into the book. And my writer, Lynn, he's, he was laughing at me. He's like, do you realize there's like very 10 very distinct principles in here? And, and I said, well, that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> and I've been embodying it, but I never counted it up and said, oh, it's 10 principles. But yeah, ends up yes. being 10 principles. Sometimes we need other people to sort of like soundboard that back to us, you know, um, like other people, which is a beautiful part about sharing our experiences is that other people can see things inside of the experience that maybe we can't see because we're coming at it from like this very limited perspective. And I love what you're saying about, yeah, human language cannot do it justice, but you do a great job articulating yourself. Your story really comes across very powerfully. Um, so I'm glad that you found the language that the words found their way to you. So I'm curious about your wife. So you said that you, you guys met like shortly after your experience. Do you feel like you have some sort of soul connection with each other? Yes, absolutely. We, um, from the very first moment we met, we, there was something odd there and, and we joke around that we're in an arranged marriage that God arranged it because as soon as we met each other, we didn't even like each other, but we knew we were supposed to get married and we knew that we had this, this huge life purpose in front of us. We didn't know what it was though. We really didn't know this purpose yet, and we're still figuring that out as we go. But I'll tell you, uh, there was there's an otherworldly energy there. Like when we first even met, neither one of us could speak to each other for about three minutes. Um, when I first met her, she had opened the door of my friend's house, and I was just standing there at the, the front doorstep. And for like three minutes, we just stared at each other. <laughs> and then finally, my brain like kicked in, and... And I, I go, uh, can I come in? <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, come on in. We're going, we're going to go play pool upstairs. Um, but yeah, it was really, really crazy from the beginning. We both felt it. And then for the next three days, it was as if our entire lives orchestrated to put us together for many hours to just chat in person. And, and it was from that that. Uh, we began this this relationship, which here we are, twenty years now, uh, married and and extremely happy with our two amazing kids. 
Wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I think it's really beautiful to hear about uh, a relationship stemming off of spirituality and just sort of like this intuition, like this knowing. And um, and just hearing about that is really, I think, probably very hopeful for people in a situation where they're looking to expand their romantic relationships. So, you know, you talked about how you're a coach and you're a healer, and I feel like that's something that comes up for a lot of people as well. Uh, let's get into these 10 principles that you found yourself partaking in in eternity. <laughs> well, the the first and foremost, which everybody's like, oh, I bet the first principle is love. And it's actually not. Love's not till the third principle. The first principle is actually authenticity. And that was the first thing I was taught, that I needed to learn who I really was and allow myself to peel away all the different masks that I had generated for myself. And once I could peel away all these masks, then I would allow myself to know who the authentic Vinny is, who I really was within. And, and so I went through that process of peeling away these masks and realizing that underneath all these different masks I wore, and, and, uh, and we all wear masks for different reasons, most times so that we are not excluded or we're not targeted or we're not singled out. We put on a mask so that we're grouped, we're gathered, and we're collected in the group. Um, so I did. I, I peeled off all these masks and realized that, you know, these, these individuals I had allowed myself to become were not too far different from each other, but how important it was that I could uh, find the core of that and and allow myself to just be authentic. Can and, you maybe describe what some of, in case people don't know what you mean by masks, what, what were some of the pieces of yourself that you peeled away? Well, imagine this. Um, Matt, look at a five-year-old, how they live their life. They say what they really believe. They pretend and play however they want in most cases. And they really are extremely authentic. And then fast forward to the end of life and, and fast forward to 85 years old. And same thing. They say what they believe. They live very authentically. They don't care what other people think. And that's where we need to live. And, and it's funny, we, we start putting up these guards and, and some people call them uh, heart walls. We start putting up these walls so that we prevent damage on ourselves. And, and what is it that causes the damage? It's the sharp words of others or, or us watching someone else receive sharp words. So we start putting up a mask to prevent those sharp words. Well, you know, when you say sharp words to a five-year-old, they cry and then go back to play. And, and uh, you know, that's where we need to be is be authentic and be authentically vulnerable because it is our vulnerable moments where we're able to grow. And if you're not having any vulnerable moments, you're not growing legitimately you're not because you wow. grow the most in your vulnerability so allow vulnerability and and seek it out when you find it figure out where it is and then grow there because that's a place that you can grow where you have vulnerability yeah so that's the first principle is authenticity cool i love that yeah i i'm just thinking like as you're talking about vulnerability and thinking about like all of the fear that comes up i'll talk about just myself i won't claim this truth for everybody but you know like 
Um, there's a certain level of fear of judgment, fear of the unknown, like what will happen if I share this very vulnerable piece of myself with other people? Will they use it against me? And I imagine that a five-year-old probably doesn't feel that way, right? They're just being their authentic yeah. vulnerable selves. They're not worried about being judged. So yeah, that childlike wonder that it talks about in multiple different kinds of scripture, you know, in our collective as well. Yeah, that came up for me when you were saying that. And it is, it's, it's having the innocence of that child that allows you to play in life. And, and we, in the play space, uh, we are open to channeling communication and divination or intuition, whatever word you want to call it, you're open to it and, and you're allowed that to flow through you. And that's why uh, so many young children, when you really listen to them, when they're listening to the, the different important things going on around them, they'll become little oracles. They really do. They say very uh, positive things and very influential things if you'd listen. And it's because they are open to that channel of, of love and, and purpose in life. Yeah. I love that. All right. Authenticity, number one. What's number two? So authenticity, number two is understand the, the reason we're here. Understand the purpose of life. And that is that we are here in earth school so that we can learn to make decisions and build relationships. That's, that's really it. We're here to, to learn how to create. And we, use, we start with our thoughts. And our thoughts then become our actions. And our actions become our habits. And our habits become our character. And character becomes our destiny. That, that becomes the captain of our ship, starts directing us. And, and that's why we're here, is to, to spend time on Earth School. There's a lot of schools. That's the coolest thing that I learned there is there's a lot of schools and and kind of the Harvard or the Yale um, or the Ivy League of all the worlds is Earth. Uh, Earth is really the hardest school. And uh, it's because here you can get done in about 80 years, what in other schools would take a thousand years or 10,000 years. So we can get a lot done a lot faster here, but it also means school here is a lot harder, just like these, you know, Harvards and Yales. Uh, it's not the easiest ride to come here to our school. And, and that's why we're here. We're here is to to learn to make decisions, to build relationships, not to accumulate wealth, because we we are here to enjoy abundance, but not to accumulate wealth. Accumulating wealth does nothing for us here. But what we do with that wealth can allow us to bring stuff with us to, you know, into the eternity. eternity. And, and so the way we're able to give love and build relationships that's what we get to take with us you know our, our relationships are the most valuable thing we get to take with us okay so i love the analogy of earth school i was downloaded with very similar information in my own spiritual experience and I couldn't decide whether Earth was like the Yale, like the Ivy League of schools, or like if this is the school that you go to, like when you're a bad kid, <laughs> like this is like the remedial math high school, you know? Um, but yeah, obviously, like I want to believe that it might be some sort of Ivy League, like, you know, a very prestigious school. So I'm curious if you have any opinion on why certain people have harder or, you know, like as far as like the earthly experience would be considered harder so life experiences. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, and, and it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful, but it's also kind of scary what we sign ourselves up for, because that's what it is. Uh, we're so surrounded by the creator's love, by the universe's love before we get here. We're so strengthened by that love. We're given this this almost worksheet that says, 
what do you want in this life? What do you want to get out of this life? And the more we want to get out of it, the harder our life's going to be. And some people are like, you know what? I just want to cruise. I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. I don't want it to be hard. I just want to spend, uh, you know, 80 to 100 years and have an easy life. Okay, born into wealth, no issues, die in, the, in your wealth, you know, um, that kind of life, right? And then others are like, oh, I want the, I want the AP program. I want the, the, the Yale Law program, or I want to get my doctorate. And so they put checks in all these boxes and, and, and then they come here and they're like, oh, poor me. Woe is me. Why is my life so hard? And it's going to be funny because when they get back on the other side, they're going to see themselves saying that and say, how did I forget? How did I forget that, that I elected this? And now when, when we're in the middle of our struggle, that's the last thing you want to hear is someone say, you opted in for this. But I can honestly say, I've lived the life in the extreme extremes of abuse. And I can truly say that I've received torture. I've received the, the ultimate of hardship that, that a lot of us will receive. Now, there, is there far more than me? Absolutely. People have received far worse than me. But I'm there in the parameter of the worst most people will ever get in their life. And I can honestly say I signed up for it. hundred percent I did. And I knew that I needed to go through that so I could be hyper aware of what was going on around me. And that's who I was when I had my experience. I was already hyper aware because of the abuse I was raised in. And, and that was a, a beautiful gift to me because I came back from my experience remembering things that most people don't remember because I had that natural ability from my abuse. And so in a, a beautiful and synchronistic and what I, I term a kismet way, I was blessed to be abused before I had my experience. That is such and, a beautiful shift of perception. Yeah, it really is. And it's just like if you, I feel that everyone is a, a sword in the blacksmith's hands. And some of us spend more time in the furnace. Some of us spend more time on the anvil being pounded. And some of us spend more time being grounded and sharpened. And I feel that I definitely hated the blacksmith for a while while he was making me. Uh, but now I really love uh, the blacksmith because she's made me great. He has made me great. Uh, has made me who I am today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I have such a similar experience to yours, you know, just like the absolute depths of, you know, contrast, like such a, a life full of hardship and perceived suffering and challenges. And yeah, again, like in the spiritual experience going like, oh my God, I can't believe that I am actually a divine co-creator of my experience and not a victim to my circumstance. Like, what a shift, you know, and you don't have to die to start living your life in that perception. You know, like you can just make the decision to change your thought around it. You know, I feel like I hear a lot of people say, you know, like, well, how come only certain people have near death experiences? How come only certain people have like these spiritual awakenings? And again, I also think that that's part of the pre-birth plan as well. Like, some of us need that and some of us can learn from others, you know, and I think, I think you, you describe it. I love your blacksmith analogy. That's such great imagery. I love like seeing myself as sort of like this, 
I'm thinking of like a Game of Thrones, like Valerian steel sword, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really spend, love that enough. Spend decades in the furnace, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, re- I remember writing a poem like very shortly after my experience. It was like a recipe poem. And I talked about like simmering and unrest for 35 years, you know, and then like sort of this how to become an awakened soul. And that was part of it as well. Just like sort of, yeah, like this fire that I was in, you know, and then coming out of it. So I really love that, that imagery so much. Thank you for that. And, um, and this knowledge is really, it's it's right on. I resonate so much with it. So let's talk about spiritual principle number three. Well, real quick, before we get to three, I do want to say this, that with every hardship, there's a gift. And, and I can, I can say that seeing in you, Betty, that you have gone so much of the path that I had in my life, that there's a lot of gifts that are already showing up on you, like just energetically, uh, because I can see like the extreme hardship of your adolescence. And, and it really is a strength and a gift. There's uh, almost like an iron or a, a granite in you that's not going to be in most people. And that once you're on a specific trajectory, like nothing's going to get you off, nothing. Whereas, you know, somebody that was given, you know, toys and Barbies their whole life and never had any of that hardship, they're not going to have that strength that you have. So, so with, with every hardship, there's a beautiful gift. There really is. And, and that's part of this journey. That's part that we, we truly do sign up for. We do. It's hard to hear that, I know, but we do. We sign up for it. <laughs> but every one of us, we we have this distinct, perfect journey for ourselves. And some of us come here to be addicts and never get out of it. Some of us come here to be victims and never get out of it. And that's our that's our path. That's our path we literally signed up for. Um, but then the others, we were here to be victims and to vanquish that victimness to overcome and to teach others that we can overcome with our thoughts and with our actions. And nobody can put a label on us. They were the only ones that can allow a label to be put on us. Wow. Um, and we don't have to allow that. Right. Is this something that you help people with, like in your private coaching business, like sort of coming out of that victim mentality? Yes, completely. That's really, yeah. really powerful. Yeah. And yeah, you know, whenever I share my own story and like I see comments People are like, there's no way that I would sign up for this life. Like, there's no way. There's no way that you would. There's no way that I would. And it's like, well, why not? Like, why wouldn't you want to have that perception? Like, why would you want to think that there was something condemning happening? You know, like this perception makes my life freer and happier and more joyous. So, like, of course, I'm going to live in this perception. If I get to choose which perception I live in, I'm going to grab at this one, you know? Yeah. and, And you can't get to where I am now in this life. And, and try to believe in any way, shape, or form that everything is accidental and everything is circumstantial. Nope, not possible. There are so many synchronicities just so far in my life. Even, you know, my near-death experience, or I call it my ADE, my after-death experience. Put that aside. There are so many beautiful synchronicities that God has shown me. There is no possible way. There is zero possible way that this is not orchestrated, organized, and planned from the beginning, from, with us, not from God, us, like every single one of us planned it together. And yeah, there's no possible way, zero a, possibilities. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I, 
when I, um, you know, like I, I work as a recovery coach, I work in a like substance use disorder clinic. And, you know, I, I, this is information that I cannot share necessarily with like somebody that I'm working with. Cause like, you know, it's not, it's a little outside the scope. I feel it out. I, I listen to spirit. I see like who I'm supposed to say it to who I'm not, you know, or just like throw the idea out there, but people that are undergoing like extreme adversity and hardship, this is a challenging concept to like integrate into your life. You know, like somebody loses a child, like you can't just, you know, like you can't throw this information at them. Like, well, you signed up for it, like, because it seems almost dismissive and like bypassing. But after like the dust has sort of settled and your human is allowed to experience its emotions around a situation, like this knowledge for me has given me so much freedom in my life. I mean, like just, you know, just mountains of like bondage released from my spirit, just mm-hmm. knowing like, even though my human cannot fathom why anybody would sign up for cer- certain situations, my <laughs> yeah. spirit, my spirit yeah. knows it. My human doesn't have to understand. Like, I'm just like this little tiny fraction of something so much bigger, but my spirit knows. And like, I mm-hmm. just have to be okay with that. That's where faith comes in. And it's funny how our society is so enamored with uh, superheroes. That's why, you know, Marvel and DC are so huge right now uh, is we're all looking for the hero outside ourselves. But guess what, everyone? We're all Wonder Woman. We're all, you know, Spider-Man. We're all Thor. We're all we're all these heroes within us. And and we've got to allow that hero to wake up and stop looking for someone else to come save you. Save yourself, because if you don't save you, no one else can. It's so great. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking that we're not going to have enough time to get through the 10 just because this conversation <laughs> is going. So you'll have to buy Vinny's book if you want to see what the 10 <laughs> principles are. But I love this conversation. The hero's journey, you know, like the monomyth, Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung, they sort of coined this whole sort of outline of like what a hero's journey is like. And um, and it's in like every every superhero movie that you just shared, as well as like nearly every myth mythological family as well. They all have have like Mm -hmm. these heroes and in their stories and yeah we are also those heroes you know and our life is following a story arc and it's just like when will you be willing to answer the call to adventure you know um like for me my call to adventure was just like plopped on my head like I like to say there was a spiritual brick thrown at my face like okay it's time like let's get going and I think that that's what some near-death experiences are about it sounds like you really had like that major transformation as well oh yeah major major transformation and you know i get around a lot of my christian friends and my Hari krishna friends which by the way there's a lot of similarities there and and it's funny because my Hari krishna friends will say oh we can't wait for Hari krishna to come in the body or my christian friends will say i can't wait for christ to come in the body and i tell both of them i'm like make the christ or the anointing show up in you have the Krishna show up in you first, and then it will show up in the in the reality, the physical. And that's the way it is. We need to allow that superhero, that that saving energy to show up in ourselves first. Stop handing it over to the outside universe, because that's not the real universe. The internal universe is more real than the outside universe. The What's going on in this temple is more real than anything you can find in an outward temple. Yeah. 
So what are some of the tools that you use like to integrate this information? Like how have you found, have you found other like-minded individuals that feel the same way that you do? Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've actually started a, a 501c3, a nonprofit called Living God's Light. And that's, that's what I do all of my functionality coaching and everything through is um, I really feel that there's this mission that I have to number one, gather light bearers, bring us together in a network of sorts so that we can work together, we can activate the light in each other. And in, in no uncertain terms have I ever thought that anything I have that someone else couldn't have, I feel that all of us have these abilities, all of us, all of us have this, this potential to be big impact makers and light bearers in the world because the world is so full of darkness, it needs that light, it really does doesn't matter your religion. Uh, we're a non-religious organization. We're unaffiliated, but we we want to make you a better version of whatever religion you you embody. So if you're Buddhist, we want to make you a, a an awesome Buddhist, you know? Or if you're a Christian, we want to make you the best Christian and really embody the Christ in your life. Um, and so that's what I do. That's what I do through Living God's Light. And um, and I feel that IANS in, in a way is also doing that. I really do. Because IONS creates a safe space without labels that people can just show up as they are and everybody is welcome, whether you're the, the scientist who studies the numbers of how many, you know, how many people come back and, and, they're, and they literally are there to prove that nobody had a near-death experience. That guy gets embraced the same way as um, the, a lady who she can rub crystals together and tell you your future. Like, like that's what's so amazing about IONS is from the extreme scientific conservative to the extreme metaphor, uh, metaphysical liberal, we are all embraced there. And that's what Living God's Light is too for me, is it's an open forum, an open place where we can all love each other, support each other in our own realities, in our own religions, in our own lifestyles. We can love and support each other and we can help activate that divine, that divinity within you and within oneself so that you can have a better connection with whatever term God you believe in. Or if you don't believe in God, we call it the universe for our atheist friends and our agnostic friends. We call it the universe. But what's really amazing is you can be an atheist and still be a, a, a rocking, amazing atheist and make this world a better place. You don't need the religion to do that. You can really connect to the light and, and even atheists understand that that light is there because quantum physics proves that energy can't be destroyed. So there's a specific energy that keeps your body alive while you're alive. And that energy can't be destroyed. Uh, again, physics proves that. So that means that even our atheist friends know that there's some sense there. They don't want to call it a soul, but there's some sense there of energy. And that energy continues even after death. So that's what we do at Living God's Light is we help people come into our system, into our programs, who they are and as they are, and we help them be a better version of themselves. And that's really what we're there to do is to amplify the divinity within them. We call it the light within. We want to activate that light within. And we do use the term God, but we allow you to use whatever version of God you identify with so that it, it is an organization, a nonprofit that can make a difference in this world. And that's what I'm all about. I feel a, a true life mission. My wife feels it. My kids feel it. 
Um, I don't know if our puppy does, but I think she may. But <laughs> well, hot <laughs> damn, sign me up. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I love the inclusivity and the diversity. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of a spiritual community like like welcoming atheists or like um, being able to rearrange language to be more inclusive for literally everybody. And I love the idea of connecting to light um, rather than. Yeah, maybe some language that seems like a little like outdated, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, even sometimes just the word God. And then you're like, I'm definitely a believer. But even the word God sometimes can be like very triggering for people because there's been one idea in our collective for so long that like God is this dualistic, you know, like sort of antagonistic, nihilistic you know, like, why is all, does all of this happen here? And, um, and just to sort of like change the language around it and offer resources for light and energy and the universe. And yeah, I love that. That's so cool. And I think that it's, yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, I'm so grateful that you stepped onto your mission and that, um, and that you have the support of your family as well. Uh, and that it's sort of like this whole little family affair. It is where we do it this together. And, and, you know, I I love one of the regular exercises I do for people is I have them make their top five. So the top five things that bother them the most in life and the top five people that bother them the most in life. And then I, I show them that with each one, we have five opportunities to learn what it is that we're seeing in that person that is actually identified in us. And that's what makes us hate them. And then same thing with the things that we hate. What is it that we're seeing in that thing we hate that we're we're finding a truth in? And that's some, these are, you know, five and five opportunities to learn to grow. And, and when you walk around, I, I joke around with a lot of our groups. I say, I want to invite you to be offended. I invite you to be offended because there is where you find the seed of growth. There is where you find um, the imbalance. And there is the the point of opportunity where we can help you do some growing. And if you're not offended, congratulations, you're well along your journey, right? Because when you're in the love space, when you're in the light space, you're so embodied in your own light that nobody can take that light from you. No politician, no political party, no NFL team, NBA team, NHL team, win or loss. Like you can't lose your light. You can't because you're so emboldened and strengthened and embodied in your own anointing and your own light that nobody can take it. Nobody can rob you of that light. And and one of the best ways we see that naturally is when women become pregnant or when people become pregnant, it's really a beautiful thing to see that light show up in them. And it's because now there's two lights. There's two lights. We have a little baby light and we have the, the grown adult light. So it's it's a beautiful process to see that naturally. And we can be energetically pregnant with our happiness and with our light eternally. We don't have to birth that. We can keep it and embody it and hold it um, in, in the most loving and radiating way. And that's what it's all about. Living God's light. That's what that's all about. 
Wow. Wow. I'm so grateful for this conversation today. You lit me up. I'm going to carry this with me for the rest of the day. Thank you so much for that. Um, I know. Yeah. So if you, if you want to learn about the other eight spiritual principles, you're going to have to pick up Vinny's Oh yeah, we got to (laughs) two. We'll put the link in the description of the liner notes for this. And um, like I said, Vinny's going to be at the 2023 Washington DC IMS conference speaking there. Um, That's going to be so great. And uh, yeah, our conferences really are something else you know like there's so much energy like it just feels like this loving embrace as soon as you walk through the door so if you're able to check that out please come and spend some time with us and uh, I'm so grateful for your willingness to serve and share and just to have a conversation today thank you so much is there anything else that you'd like to share to feel more complete about our time together well I'll throw that I'll throw out there that the other eight principles are love everyone number one we've got to love everyone Listen to your inner voice or your inner to intuition. Even if you don't believe in a God, know that you have a conscience. You know that you have a subconscious that you can listen to. Um, use technology responsibly. That's a big, big one nowadays. Release prejudice. And if you say you're not prejudiced, how do you feel about prejudiced people? And if you're prejudiced against them, you're joining their ranks, which that was me. So release prejudice, all prejudice, even to prejudice people. Exercise the power of creation. And what that power is, is all of us have a magic wand in life. Our magic wand is our thoughts. If we can, if we can really control our thoughts, we can control creation, our creations. So uh, exercising the power of creation. And that leads me to eight, which is avoiding negative influences. It is important to to recognize that there's rules in this game of life and that we can't go around embracing negative energies and get a positive outcome because we do that. We go around, we, we stream, we play games, we, we listen to news, watch, watch games, which create conflict in us sometimes. And so we're, it's like negative, 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 negative. And then we wake up and like, why does my life suck? I don't understand that. I want positive, but all I get is negative. Well, look at all the deposits you're putting in your life. All the things you allow in your life are deposits. They're energetic deposits. So negative in, negative out. That's that's the rule, right? So if you want to have positive in, make some positive deposits. So really seek out positive content for your, for your uh, energy or your streaming or your entertainment. Make sure that you're, you're putting positive energy around you avoid toxic people or put up an energetic barrier between you and toxic people. And that's going to allow you to avoid the negative influences. And then next ninth is understand that there is purpose to evil. 100% there's purpose to evil. Without evil, there is no choice. And for us to, to learn here, we need to have choices. So there is purpose to evil. And once you understand how much the creator loves us and how much the, the creator supports this whole system and surrounds it with love, You understand that that's how the creator allows bad things to happen here. Because what what happens here stays here. Literally, it stays here. It doesn't go on to the eternities. We get to go through that veil of forgetfulness. And as we do, we get cleansed. We literally get cleansed of the negative influence of this world. And our eternal existence will not be hindered, uh, but it can be amplified by what we do here. Okay. Um, and then, uh, which brings me to 10 that, you know, know that we're all one, that for us to hurt each other or hate each other or label each other is to hurt label, um, 
ourselves. That's it. That, that when we're putting that negative energy out to others, we're getting negative energy. And I teach the principle of the pointing finger. That's what I learned was as we send negative energy out, we're taking back three times that energy in our own heart. So it's important for us to put positive energy out so that we can get positive energy back. So again, make those positive deposits in the universe. You're going to get positive benefits That's uh, or positive dividends. That's the way it works. Even in finance, that's the way it works. Stop, stop withdrawing from life and, and thinking that you're going to get dividends. It's never going to happen. Start making energetic deposits, positive deposits. And, and then lastly, honor your hour of power. And the hour of power is what you frame your day to be. So how would you frame a picture? It's you, you put something around it, right? So how do you frame your day? That's the, the first 30 minutes when you wake up, the last 30 minutes before you go to bed. I call it the hour of power because that is a precious window. And what you put in that, it becomes your paradigm. It becomes your glasses. It frames what you see the world in. And if you're putting news in the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes before you go to bed or stocks, because to me, stocks and news are the same thing. Because what do you notice? You notice the drops. You notice the trends down. You're not looking at stocks so you can see what you're going to buy necessarily. You're looking to see if what you bought lost, right? So, so even monitoring scores, stocks, sports, don't put that in your hour of power. That 30 minutes when you wake up, 30 minutes before bed, make sure you put something precious, even if it's just sitting quietly and not looking at your phone, but trying to connect to yourself to your own inner self, to your mind, focus on your breath, turn off the TV, turn off any, any content, unless specifically it's, it's like a podcast like this. It's a positive podcast, you know, put some positive things in your hour of power. And now you will see the world as a positive space, but put negative things in your hour of power. You will see the world as against you or the world is a sad place full, you know, full of sorrow. So again, uh, you know, uh, an amazing book out there is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. He was able to frame his life in a positive manner while he existed in a concentration camp as a prisoner, as a young boy prisoner. He was able to frame his mind to think, wow, today's a sunny day. Oh, I see birds today. Chalk that up as a great day. You know, he, the littlest things he was able to latch onto as hope. And, and, you know, we're not in the concentration camp. We're not. So how more important is it for us to see those positive things, even if we feel there's lots of negative around us? Frame your day in positive energy, and it won't matter what happens in the day. You will start viewing this world in a positive way when you honor your hour of power. Yeah. And that's it. So I, I did enough chatting. That's great. Man. My mind <laughs> Thanks, is like totally blown. I love it. You really solidified a lot of stuff for me today. I mean, like, and I'm sure that you're going to help everybody that watches this as well, but just on a personal note, like you brought together so many pieces of information that I needed validated, or I just needed to hear it back. And so I'm just so grateful and I'm looking forward to seeing you at the conference this year. And thank you so much for your willingness to serve again. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks so much, Betty. And, and thank you so much for you doing this, by the way. I know it's not easy to do what you're doing and you're, you're at like the beginning stages of all this, but thank you for doing it because what you're building is pristine. What you are building is kismet, is, is beautiful and synchronistic and 
and it's building the light. That's what you're doing. Thanks so, so much. I, I bless you to receive light but from this. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, baby.